I'm Craig Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on and let's dive in. It's the Two Shot Podcast and we are back with another episode. But before we get on to that, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody. The response from the two-part Edinburgh Festival special has been overwhelming. It's been great. It was such fun to make and record and stomp around the streets of Edinburgh chatting to so many different people. I really hope it gave you uh, a little glimpse into what it's like at the Fringe and maybe, just maybe, myself and producer Griff will be going back next year for something very special, something that we're working on. More of that next year. More of this now. Amy Kelly is a brilliant actor, and you're really going to get to know her from this episode. Um, we tried to make loads of things work, and it kept falling through um, for all sorts of boring reasons that I'm not going to tell you about but finally we got together it was in uh it was, it was sadly it was remotely in my living room and amy was in london and we hadn't met before we had friends in common who you will hear on the podcast that brought us together and uh yeah we spend quite a bit of time talking about pregnancy and giving birth and what she did after which was uh which you'll hear and we really get into she went pretty much straight back to work on a very intense job uh, with a tiny little bambino. Um, we talk about uh, the sort of uh, how she navigated that and the support that she had, um, not only sort of from, you know, friends and family, but from the producers of her job and the, the channel, the network. It's really important to dive into that which we did um and i think you're really going to enjoy it so without further ado this is the two shot podcast with the remarkable amy kelly enjoy and i shall see you at the end is it because we're parents well i'm a lot older than you amy um what you would think? I'm, I've got to say, I'm very new to the game. New to the game of what? Talking? No, of, of parenting. New to the parenting game. Yes. Well, I wanted to talk about that because I found out that, am I right in saying it was a matter of weeks? Yes. That you gave birth and then you went to work. Yes. Who told you that? <laughs> uh, look, I... <laughs> After 26 years, I know a few people. Oh, Amy. he knows a few it was, people. It was, it was, you know what? It was somebody who comes up on this podcast over the years quite a lot and he's never been on, but he's one of my best friends. And it's Do I know him? Neil Maskell. Oh my it's God, stop. <laughs> one of my yeah. favourite people in the entire world. One of everybody's favourite people. Everybody needs Neil Maskell in their life, don't they? Um, honestly, I was supposed to see, I was supposed to see him last week. Every time he's in town, um, we we try and you know go for a meal or have some sort of catch up. He's one of those people that I'll just be friends with for the rest of my life. 
You know, you pick mm. certain people and you carry them with you. Um, yeah, well, we're, we're certainly lucky when those people come into our lives and we just think, oh, where have you been? And will yeah. he stay? Yeah. Please will he stay? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a friend who... um who's worked with him is there anyone he hasn't worked with who works with him actually no, and she always not. says i'm gathering bridesmaids you know like as she's working with different people and i like that but neil um in fact you know neil neil's given me some great parenting advice well i'll, I'll share that he was like please do he was like get out now do it now go for a meal now he said it was like the second they start talking papa papa and you can't have a conversation just do it all Mm -hmm. now and that was great advice because now i have a toddler and um it's a whole different world but yes it was it was a matter of weeks it was three weeks three weeks three weeks postpartum I mean, talk me through the logistical nightmare that that's going to be. I mean, and also, not even that, emotionally, where were you at to go back to work and throw yourself into a a long-running job? It was a seven-month job, and I'm talking 14 to 16-hour days, you know. Mm. I'm southeast London, so it was, and we were shooting like in Aylesbury almost in um, Hertfordshire. Every single day, same location for seven months. So that's two hours there, two hours back, an hour 40 if you're lucky with the traffic. And pickup would be 4am. We'd finish at what, 6, 6.30. So it was it was long days, you know. It wasn't like, oh, you mm-hmm. te- you'd do that type of job and then you have like, um, you know, some days off and breaks and things like that. It was, it was real intense. Um, it was... Do you know what? I've got nothing to compare it to. I don't yeah. know any different. Do you know what I mean? It was my first time. It was my fir- it's my first baby. I'd, I yeah. and I so I've not had a maternity leave um, because I went straight from that job onto something else. And um, obviously, they're so little at that point. He was like exclusively breastfed, which was a whole other thing I was yeah. learning at the time as well. Well, I was gonna say how. I- I just can't begin to... I was talking to somebody uh, uh, about you the other day, not specifically you, but I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm conducting this interview and this actress, I did this, and they were like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, how, yeah. Uh, how, did they, how did they leave? Why not did they have a bit of downtime? What was the breastfeeding situation? And also, you're doing 12 to 14-hour days. Mm. You're having a long journey, usually for anybody right, in our business, that's already a long day. It's a long but day. You get, when, yeah. But when you get home, it doesn't stop because unless you have one of the miraculous babies, one of those miraculous babies that sleeps through from the start, so you're not you're not off the clock. You're not off the clock. I was never off the clock. There's a couple of factors that went into it. So I got the offer. The offer came through when I was pregnant I was still pregnant mm-hmm. and I knew when I was when I was um booked in to have the baby and all that stuff and Amy Hubbard was so amazing I have to say this actually because I feel like it does land sometimes with the gatekeepers you know and what their attitude is and because I'd yeah. I'd for full transparency I'd gone in for a screen test for something else um a couple of 
a couple of weeks, maybe a month before, like the offer came in for like a different um, person, a different project. Um, and I, 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 you know, I seem to be in the running for things. And I just, I just knew when I went into the room and the director saw me heavily pregnant, which is obviously like, it's fine. Like I get it, but I could read his face and instantly I was out of the race. Do you know what I mean? So I, I went, I went ahead with the, the, the test and all of that stuff. And, but I just knew. And so anyway, a couple of weeks later, we had this offer come in and she said, look, um, that Amy's officer of rang, like they really like you to do it, but also like, um, you know, she's a mother, so she's championing you, but also if you take it and you change your mind, it's okay. And I was like, oh, wow. Like that's just, it, that was just so amazing because not everybody gets that treatment first off. So off the bat, yeah. I already had that, um, you know, like that support from not just my, my team, my agents, but also from casting. And there's, there's also this taboo grey area. I speak to so many actresses who found out, you know, I don't necessarily broadcast it, but um, in fact, I talk to so many actresses who reach out and they'd be like, oh, I, you know, I've, I've, I guess I, I've put it off or, you know, um, starting my family or any of that stuff because I'm scared that I won't get roles or something like that. And it's just that, it's that thing, isn't it? It's the lifelong thing of like, I think we just, we're actors, but we have, we have a life to live also, you know, like mm-hmm. I can't put my life on hold, like for, for what to get a job. Do you know what I mean? But this this just so happened to fall in the the space of um I, I was three weeks postpartum yes I did think what on earth is gonna happen how is this gonna be like <laughs> um but we Apple TV it was my first time working with them I have to say them and 60 40 films were really incredible like there was no question um of you know, we, we make sure we get the right car so that we have a baby seat in it. Um, those type of logistics. Uh, when the, there was like a comfortable trailer, so that was this space enough for like, a, you know, baby items. As the months go on, within seven months, there was like the cot and, you know, there's then there's like the walker and the high chair and he had all of his first things um, like weaning and all that stuff. So, and we had a really amazing nanny. So, yeah, there is... I just want to say there's ways to do it. I think there's a taboo thing yeah. like, oh, you have a baby and you're out of the game. But actually, um, I feel like I've never been busier since I had a baby, which is weird. I mean, isn't isn't that ju- isn't that just the way? But it, it's incredible that it's just incredible that um, production was so supportive from the get go because it doesn't it doesn't always happen. I've listened to your podcast in the past and. Mm. I think it's so important for like other younger actors. Like when I was younger, I um, I was like, I was switching agents, right? And at the time, yeah. it was it was all consuming. It was the the event in my life, and it was really scary. And like, you know, oh. it was just the the thing. And then I listened to an episode of yours, of this, and someone spoke about it as just part of their journey, as just an everyday part of their journey. And I was like, oh. Oh, it happens all the time. Like this is just a normal thing. So, uh, you know, I'm on board with the. I'm to try to try and be as honest about anything as possible because I know how important it is. 
And also, it's really nice to feel wherever you are, however, wherever you are in your career, whatever age you're at, to know. Because it, it can be quite a solitary existence. And you do tend to think, especially if you get trapped in your own head, oh, well, I'm obviously the only person that's going through uh, X, Y, Z at the moment. And then you hear somebody else talking about it and you go, oh, my God, I feel a little bit more supported than I was. That, uh, you know, I can't um, mull past that is how I felt. I just did. It was the first time in my life I was like, there's no one that I can copy here. There's no one that I can, you know, who's walked the road before me. Of course, there's other people that have been parents and all, all of that stuff. But like, I was the first in my friendship group, the first in, you know, I've got a good solid group of friends, non-actors, but I've also got a good solid group of friends who are actors. Mostly the actors are boys. So I didn't, but I didn't really have any, you know, no one that had really been in this situation. And I was like, mm. you know, I'm at, at like, I know that I'm capable of this, but like, I just need to put things in place to yeah. make sure that all I've got to worry about is doing my job. So uh-huh. I've done stuff like, um, I had a sleep trainer. Uh, we had, I had a really good, um, sleep trainer. So I sleep trained him from those two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, then in the, in the trailer. Um, so that, you know, in that time, that's when I would sleep in the car. So we'd both sleep, sleep together because um, that's so important, obviously. Yeah, and yeah, um, of course. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess just, I just took every day as it came, but just mostly made sure that um, I just put things in place around me, basically. There was, I was like, what have I got to do here? I do this job and just focus on this character and give it and give it my all because you're, you're knackered yeah. on every job you know what any job that you do over a month I think you're knackered anyway so I was just like what's what's another <laughs> you know what's another <laughs> element type thing? like you know what else can you do yeah but were you not before the birth and knowing that this job was on the horizon were you not worried about how you would be post-birth emotionally like inside because obviously things change once you have a baby and you sort of change 100 percent. and I you know I, I I would be lying if I said I, I don't think anyone goes through it and they they have like a smooth um run I think it's the fifth day I remember actually this is funny it's not funny but um so on the third day I've got a couple of friends who do um, actors actually who um, were uh, um, ahead of me in terms of uh, having babies. And they said, listen, be careful on the third day and on the fifth day, you're going to get a terrible hormone crash. It's going to be awful. Just get through it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure not everyone gets that. Do you know what I mean? That type of thing. On the third day postpartum, I knew all this was happening. Yada, yada. I FaceTimed um, Jesse Barden. I know, I, I know Jessie? of Jessie Barden, yeah. So she's got babies a bit older than mine, but anyway, she was like, she was one of the gurus, you know, getting me through. I was like, because uh, she, you know, and I just rang her and I just, it, I just could not stop crying and it wouldn't stop. And I was, I was like, <laughs> and, you know, she's in LA, I'm in London. And it was just like, I, I'll never forget this, right? Because there's certain moments in your life where you think, I actually don't know how I would have got, gotten through that, but I needed someone just to be so, she was so passive in our comments, but she was just so right. And she was just like, listen, this is what you need to do. 
you need to get out the house, you need to go for a walk, you know, just simple things, but someone getting you out of your head. Um, and it was it was straight up baby blues. I didn't know it at the time, but that's what it was. It was just my body going through an intense ho- loss of hormone crash. Um, mm. I had a C-section and then she was like, she was like, hon, the reason that you've, that you've got such a bad crash is because the hormones left your body so quickly because you had a C-section. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is how it is. But you really appreciate those, t- those tiny little moments um, because I look back on it and I'm like, oh, you know, uh, d- d- no one else could have given me that type of, you know, just talked me out of it in such a small amount of time. Um, yeah. And, and look, everyone has a different time with it and, and some last longer than others. And, uh, you know, you can never say if you do get it once, you won't get it another time. But I'm just happy with the way things worked out. Um, I definitely did experience the crash um, and I was definitely on the cusp more emotionally. Um, but I guess I was so busy. I definitely think that helped me yeah. move forward in a way. If that, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. But I know that if, for me, sometimes if I've got a, a tricky home life or some, there's a bump in the road somewhere, I know that I've got to go to work. I'm, I must admit, there's only I think there's only been one time uh, where. I couldn't switch my you couldn't switch my, off my sort of brain brain off and and switch into switch into a sort of actor's thoughts and put the character in the forefront of my mind and focus on that and then as soon as I finish work then I could come home and just break into a thousand pieces but then I'd have to put myself back together you know so as as a as a as a mum as a new mum being thrust into such intensity of of a seven months job. Was did you find it hard to to switch off as, as you normally would do, or did did the brain sort of change? Do you know you? what? I just think my brain. I never had a problem compartmentalizing because that was my my number one like game plan every single day. My brain just I just trained my brain from the day one. It was, um, you know, if I'm doing hair and makeup tests or if I'm doing prep or whatever it is, because obviously when it's seven months, there's a lot of you know hair dyeing and haircuts and continuity stuff I'm either pumping I'm breastfeeding and if I'm not yeah. doing that I'm switching straight into uh Jamie mode I'm doing it um armor training gun handling that's a whole new skill set that I'd never had to d- deal with you know and everyone yeah. you know everyone's like um yeah like she's so tough like was it hard like using the gun and stuff and I'm thinking uh I mean yeah it was like it was a new skill and stuff it was absolutely nothing compared to what was going on behind the scenes like keeping a human alive <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah <laughs> um so but to, just to I don't know if this answers your question but in terms of helping me compartmentalize I think it was great because playing a character so unfeminine and so you know um quite masculine um mm. and having just just been on separate ends of the scale you know I go out of the trailer I step on set I take the gun I'm Jamie I go into the trailer I feed the baby you know I take my bra off um <laughs> it's it, it's two different worlds so it was yeah. I guess the, yeah I guess it was it, it, it I didn't um 
And also another thing I've got to say, we ha- I had a brilliant onset nanny for seven months. And there's a, there's a lot to be said for that because when someone is, you, you know, I, I didn't have, I don't, I don't know this to be the entire, um, you, you know, take over the entire um, interview, but I have to say that I was learning so much on that set in terms of, I didn't know how to breastfeed or, or look after a baby I didn't know what a baby needed and I would go mm. in at 5am I would feed him in the hair and makeup chair and then you know um, I remember Anne she was um, our hair and makeup supervisor she had like three kids herself and and she was and she was like oh, I, like do you um does he need to be winded and I was like what and he's like she's like do you, do, does he need to be winded and I was like Oh my god! Um, I didn't even know he needed to. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that a baby needed to be winded. Of course not. Right? Why would you? No, honestly. So then, you know, then I'm carrying on with my hair, and she's got, walking up and down the tree because they all loved him, you know. And she's like burping him and winding him, and that was the thing. And you know, I, I just learned so much from that that it really. They say it takes a village with. Um, raising a baby I didn't necessarily have a village it's just me and my husband but I did have a vill- I had a film set and a film crew yeah. like I have to say things like um, you know you know how much um, dirty laundry and stuff comes from having a baby I didn't have time to go home and wash any clothes and things like that I was getting home at half nine and going straight to bed and then we were up again at like 3am so I would come in and you know the, the costume woman um, lady had you know dried and washed the clothes bless her and just, just things like that so my 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 uh, situation was uh definitely made easy by the lovely people around me as well and and being in the community of people that do care and they do listen because you know we're thrust into a situation where we have to forge I mean, I'm not going to say friendships, but certainly working relationships and listening and being as kind as we can and being sensitive to different, per- so many different personalities uh, and being as gracious as possible on a set. Um, that's going to make everybody even more gracious, bringing a little bambino. I know. <laughs> I, know. I don't think, I, I, I think I was quite popular actually on that set. And I was like, I'm probably not going to be as popular from now on, you know, when I go back just without, because <laughs> he d- obviously doesn't need to come with me anymore. He's not a, li- he's not a um, tiny baby, but, you know, it definitely gets you some brownie points. <laughs> yeah, well, what an experience. What an experience. Please tell me you had a little break after that. Job Do you know what? You didn't go into job, this, did is, you? this is madness. But I actually said this to Neil. We were on we were on set actually, and I told him about the next thing that I'd been offered to do. And he said, and I said, Am I just gonna absolutely kill myself here? Or should I go up to Leeds and do this job for ITVX? It was like another one. And he said, Make well, make it well the sun shines. Yeah. And he's right, yeah. he's right, because... He's totally right. The thing is, it, I know it's, this is the same for all of us, but, like, it really is. It, this is the way it goes in my life, is all at once or absolutely nothing at all. And I think that's all of us because, uh, like I say, I've got a really um, tight-knit, close group of, like, acting mates. Um, and, and and we're all the same. It's always, it's all or nothing, Always. Yeah. Well, it has to be, I think, doesn't it? It's the five, it's do the five self-tapes at once. Three of them are, are American 
they're all six pages mm-hmm. each <laughs> or just yeah. or just don't go for anything for like a month now you said the way you're you are now you're in london but obviously for everybody listening they'll know that you're not originally no fraud yeah you're not a fraud (laughs) i don't think anybody from the northeast is a fraud tell me about where you grew up amy so born and bred in the heart of newcastle fenham so if right. you all fit, I mean, we I feel like we had more houses than hot dinners, but if you take like the house that my mom lives in now, it's so mm. central that you open up the bedroom window and you can hear St. James's Park. Really? Yeah, it's mad. Yeah. <laughs> and how was it growing up there for you? It was, it was happy. It was, do you know what? I get this, I'm only realising this now. As I go back, I don't get to go back an awful lot, right? Because, um, well, you know, I've had work for the baby. And then before that, we were kind of in them couple of years, the pandemic and things like that. Um, I lived in Newcastle from when I was born until I was 16. I ended up going to a boarding school in Hertfordshire, um, like a, a performing arts school, but I'll that later. <laughs> um, growing up in Newcastle, yes. So I'm from a single parent family. Um. Oh yeah, every time I go back to Newcastle, I appreciate it more, is what I wanted to say. Don't know what it is. You never appreciate it when you're growing up. You never appreciate no. your surroundings when you're growing up, right? You want to get out. Yeah. Or not, mm. maybe not necessarily go on, get, get out for me, but... Um, oh, it was for me. It was for... Where are you from? Mm. Blackpool. Oh, Black... Yeah, okay. But do you know what? A lot of people... Uh-huh. Anyone from like... <laughs> My husband's from Merseyside, <laughs> and so you, if you drive okay. along like Southport, you can see the. He's, he tried. To, he tried to show me like he thought it was cool that you can see the Blackpool lights, and I was like, "You got to be joking! You got to do better than that!" Like <laughs> I'm from Newcastle, I'm from like this city. Do you know what I mean? You, you, just, you, Amy Kelly, you just be careful. You're on very thin ice. No, <laughs> no, no one can slag Blackpool off apart from. Listen, me. <laughs> I'm not so good. I'm not so good. I used to love. I used to love the Pleasure Beach. We used to go there when I was younger. The clown. The clown when you first walk in. I don't know if it's still let's, there. Let's not let's not talk about the clown. That's, that's no it's years horror of therapy films. right there. <laughs> so yeah, loved Newcastle. Um loved Newcastle, but you know, I, I and then I, I I left when I was 16. So I do always feel that my time was cut short there. Um Do you think that's changed as you've got a little bit older or since you've become a mum? about your connection just just as I became older oh I I noticed going back for things like I mean Christmas would be the the big thing that I would go back for but um yeah just maybe not take not taking uh take just taking it for granted what it's such a but the thing but the the thing is sorry to interrupt it's like when you're when you're a teenager you don't appreciate. You don't. Things. You don't. Of course, you, you don't, don't. You don't appreciate where you're from. You don't appreciate um, someone looking out for you, or, or very rarely those words of wisdom that your parents. That's tell it. Because you, you, the thing is, it's like, no, I think I know what I'm doing. Actually, of course, you don't know what you're doing. No. I, lo- I do. Lo- I love going back now. I feel very nostalgic about certain things that have changed. Yeah where I used to knock about when, when I was younger. Yes. And it's so, there's so anywhere up North, right. It's just so, even from where my husband's from, it's, they're so welcoming, 
right? Like it's the only place if I, I never carry change anymore, but say I didn't have enough, if I didn't have my phone, I didn't have change. Um, and I try to get on the bus, right? I'm trying to get on the bus home. Don't have anything, lost everything. Why mm-hmm. iPad, just get on where you're going to that type of thing. No problem. Yeah. I'm going to get home. Yeah. fine. If I try and get on and he stole it, <laughs> I've not got anything. I'm walking home. Do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. it's not my, yeah. it's no one's problem. It's my problem. And it's just that coldness, you know. Um, I, went, I, went, I went to see a thing at the BFI. It was called Working Class Heroes. Vicky McClure, um, Maxine Peake and Johnny... Oh my God. Harris. Harris, Johnny Harris. I know, and I know, sa- I know, because I, I was there. Oh, were you there? A couple yeah, of years ago. Well. Yeah, and he yeah, said yeah. something, right? And I, so there might not be word for word, right? But he said along the lines of, you know, working class people, they're the only people that, you, the, the, they'll put the, cup, the kettle on for you. No one else will. Do you know what I mean? And it's, I, I mean, so of course, you'll see that, um, around but I definitely it's just that it's just that um the warmness I think um yeah but yeah um how 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 does that how does that make you feel about raising a a child in London and and look this is I'm not having a dig at London because London's oh no you can have as much listen this is I'm not getting protected over London go on no 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 (laughs) but there'll be other people listening that that will be protected over it and that's absolutely fine and I understand it but I feel like I've done I've done my time in like it was a sentence but I've done my train I've done my time in London and it's funny because I've bounced around quite a bit you've served your time I've served my time. But now, since moving back down south, and, I, and we're in just outside of Brighton now. Oh, I yeah. Feel, and I, was, and I, I spoke about this quite heavily a few weeks ago with the comedian Colin Holt, who lives who lives on the other side of Brighton, who, who is from Nottingham. And um, it, I feel that it has northern sensibilities, but, but in the south, by the seaside, like people yes. do talk to you in shops yes and it, that very rarely happens certainly when i lived in camden oh and, and North see London, now camden like, I, I would couldn't call i would come out in a rash honestly oh god of course you because would. it's just even when i go into town i went, I went into town today for me and i was like I, i've became one of those like keyboard warrior people that are way more comfortable behind a screen i was like i've got to break out of this you know like i've got to get mm. back into like being able to just meet people and be but it's just the, everything that comes with it. It's not taking the meeting. It's the getting on the tubes. Everyone's in a grump. Everyone's giving you a nudge. It's all like grumpy. And uh, it's just, and then I'm a sponge, so I soak it up. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh my God, he's really angry. I've done something wrong. Uh, 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 and it's just, I don't know. I mean, well, ex- exactly. And, and doing what we do or being the type of people that we are, it's like sometimes we take that energy on board and it's like, I don't want to take that into my meeting because I was perfectly happy. I was perfectly happy before that thing happened on that bus or that person did that. Or, you know, it's like, oh, it's, do you know what it is? Life's hard enough. Life's hard enough. I don't need you making oh, wow. it harder. Keep your <laughs> no. keep your wooden spoon over there. I don't want any more added to the mix. But you know, risk of um exposing myself. Everyone, all my best friends know this. Um my I told my agent about it the other day. I said, My goal is to do one or two jobs a year 
where I can just be where I'm happy with the work that I do, but I can get paid enough. All I want to do is just like, I, really, my vision would be to like m- buy a house in like the Cotswolds, move to an, like in the middle of nowhere. I know that sounds so boring and like literally make jam, speak to no one, turn my phone off, don't want to hear from you unless it's like scheduled. Do you know what I mean? Like, because um, it, it's like the fast pace. It's just that the, it's. Uh, I'm, I've discovered that I'm quite an introvert, I guess, and I mm. really enjoy the silence, and I really just enjoy walking the dog, just with just talking to no one. If it, I hope that doesn't but sound too boring. But some, yeah, no, it's not at all. But it's sometimes it's the surroundings that can make you feel like that because if there's a lack of connection. Or, or, or you kind of crave the connection and you're not getting it. Yeah. Then where do you go for it? You go somewhere else. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But it's funny because um, I obviously grew up in the city and then I went to school in the countryside. I then went to school mm. in LA, in America. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, just just stop right there. So we've gone... We've. Why are you going to school I don't want to keep you on here for like three hours. I feel like that's what's going to do. I'll, I'll if we're talking for two days, it's a two-day podcast. We'll break the record. It's fine if we need to do it. And people will still listen. <laughs> right. So in a nutshell, schooling-wise, went to a couple mm. schools in Newcastle, um, went to it came to it came to sixth form where you know you kind of decide you're going to go to sixth form what's sixth form you're going to do and it's weird right because um I never really hear this but like I do feel a lot of the stuff that, that I you know I've ended up in this position that I am today and everyone's like what was your journey and what was your path and and when I sit and think about it really like I, I, I do feel like a lot of this um a lot of choices that I made when I was very young have landed me in the spot mm. I'm in today, if you know what I mean. Like I'm sure I would have came, I would have came on some sort of similar route. But um, I realised actually a lot of things that I'd done when I was younger impacted the the how, where I've ended up today. So I guess when I was younger, um, when I was in school in Newcastle, I knew I didn't want to go to sixth form in Newcastle. I'd served my time at this high school. I'd done it. All girls Catholic mm. school in high in uh, Newcastle. Um, it gave very good grades, but it was also sent a Newcastle. So it's like fight central, all girls, you know, that type of thing. And I just, I didn't, you know, I had good friends there and things like that, but I just felt like I was just had completely different interests to everyone everyone and then I had a really good teacher there a really good English teacher um and I was a massive reader as a kid like I was just 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 always had a book from as from as little as I can remember um and I'm still like that today actually and um she was just she just you know when you just have a teacher and it just something clicks and I'll ne- I and, certainly and, do. And, yeah. and those people are so important as well because they really shape who mm. you are. Um, so Absolutely. I was just glazing through school, and when I say glazing, I was like, you know, I do the work and all of that stuff. But I would just, I was daydreaming through school, like just passing the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, not none of this was was going in one year and out the other. And I just couldn't find anything that I was engaged in. I would um, Monday to Friday, I was like, right, I would my mum. 
she was single parent. She was, but she was, she was really good at, um, I've got a twin sister and she was really good at, she'd break her back to, to, to give us the extracurricular things that we needed. I think she had a fear of, you know, she didn't want me hanging out on the street or all of that type of stuff. And so we tried all the different things, you know, the ballet and the horse riding and all of that stuff. Um, and the thing that I stuck at was, yeah, this, you know, it was like an old snooker hall. Um, it was called the SA Academy. It was like in Baika. And it was, it, it, someone had turned it into like a singing, dancing and acting thing for kids, you know, like three hours, th- three hours on a Saturday. And I found me, my whole school time, from what I can remember, was just starting on a, fr- starting on a Monday and just counting down the days until the Saturday. Until you could get, yeah. And that, the, and yeah. that's when I would feel, um, Oh, I can do. Oh, I'm part of this. Like I'm, 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 I'm interested in this type of thing. So it's quite early on that I got the. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I, I knew that I wanted to act or anything like that. But I, I had this. Uh, you know, I, I, it took me a while to figure out because no, th- there wasn't any resources there. Do you know what I mean? That's probably why I wanted to get out. I was, right. I was constantly looking for it, w- what else is there for me type thing when I was. Um, uh like I said this uh English teacher <clears throat> she really like ignite it sounds so like you know neat and cliche but she really did ignite that something in us I don't know what it was but I was like oh my god L- like Lord of the Flies we were reading Lord of the Flies but the way she helped me annotate it uh, the whole class obviously and the way she broke it down and made it understandable I still use that method to this day um, and I was just so engaged. Mm-hmm. I was. I used to look forward to the lesson, you know, like the English lesson, because it was the only thing that I could, could get on with. And um, same on the Saturday school, you know, would would just do. I had a, like a drama teacher called Charles Hindley, and he was, you know, he was like a guy that used to go do a lot of fringe and things like that. But he would hang out in Newcastle and teach a few kids on the weekend for like a bit of money or whatever. But but what he just printing out scripts from like friends and things like that gave me the just gave us something else to think about and do and then I guess it was like a mixture of that and um like I say it was I was from a single parent family but um every Saturday we would sleep at my nana and granddad's and every Saturday my nana and granddad or my nana I should say would let us stay up way past bedtime and watch the channel five movie don't remember i don't know if you remember there was always a channel five movie i don't know if that's still on if that's still a thing but the type of movies that we would watch like i would like i would so look forward to it i'm talking like the pianoist uh reservoir dogs once upon a time in america um Oh, brilliant all this all the stuff that you actually shouldn't be watching at that age we, that, we all that did we it. All did. Boys don't cry. You know, really things that was way beyond um, mine and my sister's age. What was that? There's a um. It was like a ninety. Uh, what was it? Uh, there was a film with Francis McDormand. Paradise Far- Road. Paradise Road. That sticks out to me. I, I can I can remember that film right, scene for scene from just watching it on the couch when I was like six, seven it's mad I just have a photographic memory of all that stuff so by the time it came to like you know being of age I I was I feel like I was just completely desensitized to all that stuff but what I did know is that I just loved the stories 
So I just loved books and stories and that's all I had that's all I knew. That's all I had figured out. It didn't go further than that. And then it got to sixth form. And it's that thing of like, well, what are you gonna do? You know? And I had my mom being like, Well, you know, you, you know, because you have to do something that you've got to do something that makes you money, you know, you got you do you've done well in um, German. <laughs> so do you think you should carry on doing German? You know, that type of thing. And I'm like, I couldn't, I just really don't want to do German, ma'am. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I well, you get, they're saying you get a lot of money if you become a translator. And I'm like, I just, I don't want to be a translator. Like, I, I, no, you've got it wrong. And anyway, um, I think, you know, I've done national, I, I think I auditioned for like National Youth Theatre. And I came to London when I was like 14, 13, 14. And um, I think that just changed everything everything because then I was put in a group for two, two weeks lived in a crappy motel in Tufnell Park in fact the people that were in my um group class whatever it was have also gone on to do things in the industry friends of mine um Freya Maver she's a um she's an actress and um, Bessie Carter she's also acting and mm-hmm. um, they were in my um Tom Lambert is um another friend of mine doing a bit of acting um, so it's mad. We've actually all gone on, um, but National Youth Theatre is such a great catalyst for just young, in my case, um, certainly, j- just being like, oh, you can, this is actually a job. You can actually do this if you want to take it further. Yeah. And no one had yeah. really said, no one had really, I'd not really seen that before. So I came back from that and I went back to school and I was like, oh, I feel a bit deflated and I, oh, I feel now a bit like, um, not like an alien because everyone was so, like I had good friends there, but just that like they were on a, a, a path that I didn't want to, that I, I had no, I, I didn't want to follow basically. I, I felt like there was no one who wanted to do the path that I was trying, seeking or looking for. But it's, ama- it's amazing because at that moment the door was open and you were let into this new room. Oh my God. And then... After a couple of weeks, they've gone, right, you've had your taste. Now you've just got to go back to reality. Back so no to wonder. reality. I mean, what, a cr- what a crash down that was. Honestly, so then go back. when I go back to Newcastle, things had started to, um, I don't know if you say progress, but obviously the only thing really that we were aware of the filming or anything of that type of nature was like, you know, your biker grove and things like that. There was nothing really more than that. But then around that time, they had, uh, they started filming The Dumping Ground, which is like a CBBC show. And I was like, you know, I used to look, I, mm-hmm. I watched everything, every single TV show, CBBC, Disney Channel, all that stuff. Um, and I remember, this is so funny. I, I feel like I'm exposing myself, but like, it's, you've got to laugh because it's like, it's so funny because I was a kid. It, like little me done this. Um, I, so I wrote to the production company of where they oh. were, filming the dumping ground and I was like you know um I've done it <laughs> I've completed the you know national youth theater I got my certificate or whatever and I was like I was just wondering how do where do you get um like the actors from 
you know, because I was trying to figure this out. There was nowhere that there's yet I needed to find it out. And um, you were be, you were you were being proactive. You were being resourceful. I can't believe I was being resourceful. Tell you what, more do. resourceful than I ever am now. I need. I could do with a bit of that. And <laughs> um, but this is what I mean by some of the stuff that I'd done when I was younger. I've landed me here today. So they um, got back to me and they said, so um, we, we get all we we cast all our children from them uh, a local agency. You know that type of thing. So straight away there was a buzzword. I was like agency. So I need an agent. Like, you know, it was all falling into place. <laughs> and it's so funny because yeah. my mom yeah. always says she kept this letter, right? That's it. Had the little, um, illustrate, like Nick Sharrett illustrations of the dumping ground. And they say, sorry, like we're not interested type thing. It was like a first knockback, as you will. And then like a few years later, I had my own TV show on CBBC up against at the BAFTAs. And we like, we like swoop, like, swept them up at the BAFTAs that year and I was like this is so funny because I wrote to you guys like when I was like you know to, I don't know like 14 or whatever wow just tell me about that journey how did that happen I mean we've just been jumping around there so went went uh realized I didn't want to go to um sixth form, sixth form. Um, found a few different places, um, realised I wanted to be closer to London because that's where National Youth Theatre was. And that's all I knew. <laughs> right. I didn't know about yeah. drama school or anything like that yet. And so um, I found there's a few good um, acting schools um, and uh, around the country that are really renowned, but it means that the children can live there because they're bored in. So there was Tring, the old, the old arts educational school, which is where I went. I think there's one called Harwood House. There's like a few others. Anyway, my mom said, you can choose one because we haven't got the pet, we haven't got the pet rule for, you know, all of them. So choose one and choose well type thing. And me and your granddad will yeah. drive you down to the audition. So I was like, right, I'll do that. So I'd done that. I auditioned. Um, they actually ended up putting me on the musical theatre course because they, you know they test you and see what you can to kind of do type of thing and so I was there for two years and I, I loved it it was um it was super militant in terms of like you know you do your four hours in the morning of your academic studies which is like your, your English your, whatever you choose for your options your um a levels and then in the afternoon it's straight up vocational training so that I mean these the, these schools they churn out like you know the, the English National Ballet people and all of that stuff. But I was um, I was actually put on the um, uh, musical theatre course, but then I went after a year, I was like, I, you know, I went to the head of drama and I was like, I feel like my heart here. Can I, can I be on this course? Mm. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> big up, Mr. Ed. Um, so I, I, when I, while I was there, um, I'm trying to condense this as much as possible, um, while I was there, um, a friend of mine from uh, National Youth Theatre, he said, Amy, there's an open audition for Skins and I'm going to go. And I was like, okay. And he was like, do you want to come? And I was like, well, I suppose I live near London now. Like, I'm allowed to do things on the weekend. <laughs> I'm at school Monday to Friday, but I can come on Saturday. So, you know, like we met and it was like one of those places, kind of like the X Factor type thing, you know, like you've got loads and loads of people there. And it was his thing. I was kind of the wingman, you know, it was his thing, but we went in and it was like 30 people, 30 teenagers, you know how it is. And, um, they let, they let everyone go, including Albie, but they kept me for some reason and me, me and a couple of others. And then each round would get less and less and less. And then by, um, by the, 
last few rounds they were flying us to Bristol and the set and they were kind of casting it and you know figuring out and all that stuff and it was Jane Ripley um casting director and she and I just remember um getting to like the final two and um I look young for my age I always have looked young for my age so when I was 16 17 however old I was when I was auditioning I looked about 14, you know, I still had the braces, all of that stuff. And it just, it was just, it it was that, do you know what I mean? Um, Anyway, it was a brilliant experience and I kind of, and I just went back to school after that. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going back to school because I liked the school that I was at. I was doing stuff that I was interested in and it was just like, oh, well, I've kind of experienced that. Because I so thought with my love of stories and writing and reading I was convinced I was going to be in the acting industry, but as a director, I, d- I didn't think I was going to act. Right. I didn't figure that out. Like I hadn't, this kind of all came with the, you know, just experimenting and stuff. And then um, she, obviously I didn't have an agent or anything. Jane Ripley rang my mom and was like, look, we've got this film. Um, it, the, I'm, this is, I'm casting the lead role. It's supposed to be a girl from London do you want to just bring her along anyway and we'll see what happens? And so she, she, mom, um, I went along um, and I just remember being like, oh my God, it was all the girls from Skins that I had watched on TV and they were all like cool right. and like they were older than me and they were like sexy, like it was just like, and I was like this tiny little, just not well-developed, like, do you know what I mean? Like I was like, and and also because you'd you'd seen them on on the TV. I'd and seen you, them, and they were the cool- when you watched them. They were the cool ones. They were the fit oh ones. They were the sexy God. ones. And now you're in that room together, and, now, and we were in the waiting room together. And I just I just crumbled. I was like, "There's no way that there that we cut that like." I couldn't work it out. I was like, I can't, it, it, you know, I hadn't, obviously that's a normal thing. Now you go into a, a, a cast or whatever and you see people, but as a kid, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom that. Do you know what I mean? Cause I was like, those are the people yeah. that I watch and that I are learning that you learn from. Right. Uh-huh. Anyway, we went in, um, Nurple who directed it, he loved it. Uh, so loved it. Um, he, had asked me to do something, I can't remember what it was. Um, and he said, can you keep your accent? And I was like, yeah, d- 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 I didn't know any different. He basically rewrote the script um, so that it was a girl from Newcastle. Um, and so from that film, I got an agent from that because right. uh, I got nominated at the new it was best british newcomer me and the director both got nominated at the the london film festival and so from that you know i guess he kind of um that helped massively and from that this is a really long answer to your question um is how i got the second job which was the wolfwood job on cbbc i mean it just happens like that doesn't it sometimes because you can be sent something and you look on the page and you go, I, I don't think I'm right for that. But somebody has seen something. And so when our job is then to go in and give them an interpretation of how I would possibly do it and see if they see a little something. 
And the fact that he completely rewrote that script for that character to change the origin of, of that character. Oh, it was says so much. It says so much about what you came in with energy wise and what the rapport was obviously between you and the director. It was crazy, crazy. And you know, I've got to say this because it was such a long time ago now and it was my first job. And obviously I'm a completely different person. It's a, it feels like a different lifetime. I actually saw him at a, um, a premiere for a different film that I did quite um, recently and I had to say to him I said this is so funny because um so my mom was still in that realm of oh she's taking time off school she's gonna get in trouble she's on a scholarship she's gonna lose the scholarship you'll have to come home you know that type of stuff and I was like oh my god mama come like like I just can't deal with that and so then he actually stepped in and was like you know like you really have to start taking this seriously, but you could do this as a job. Like you don't have to think about back. You don't have to think about like backup. Um, Cause you know, like it's not my mom's fault. She's like obviously playing two types of parents and she's trying to just think she, you know, like she was trying to advise the best way she could, but he was the first one that said, um, you know, like people do this as a thing, like, cause we're, we're you know, we're, we were just so far from that world type thing. Um, yeah. But, I could not, I'll say this, I could not do that role now. So it's me and my friend were talking about this recently, not just about me in that film, but about actors um, just being younger and different projects that we've done in, in you know, in the beginning, the same way. The What he done is he took a really um, raw, like, kid, me, completely unfiltered, completely untrained, put, stuck a camera in my face and it worked. It was gritty. It was, it was, it was, I was not, I was not self-aware, all of that stuff. And yes, I can do, um, uh, I can give more mature, different performances now. And I can do things, of course, that I'm, that I, now that I've evolved, wasn't able to do them, but equally, I couldn't do that and give that performance now. Do you know what I mean? No, of course not. But you see that uh, you see that a lot, don't you? Certainly with uh, you know lots of different directors who love to be involved with street casting because yes. they know very that, that, that very got that people that that there's there's an innocence uh, and a rawness that these young performers are given because they're unaware technically. Yes. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I think no. it's, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I wish, I'm sure you probably think the same. Sometimes I wish, well, I wish I didn't know exactly what that camera's doing. And I now. wish I didn't know I that that, that was the better side of my face. Cause who can- I wish I didn't know. Yeah. Who- we don't want to bring the vanity no. to the camera. I don't want to do that. And also, I don't want to know that that actor was being a little bit tricky in that scene. Oh, I don't want, God. I don't want yeah. to know. I don't, I don't want to. I mean, it's very, it's very rare. It's very rare. Of course, it's because all you want to do is sort of uh, play and listen and play the scene like it's never happened before. Of course. And I think that you, you only really, you only really get that in theatre. You know, like um, the, the more aware and self-aware we we you know being being aware of being self-aware is a thing like I I talk about with my friends quite often you know it's it's a it's a double-edged sword isn't it the more work you do the older we get we gain all this experience this life experience which I always think helps um me delve into different things of course but also you gathering ego you're gathering um you're gathering vanity, you're gathering 
you know, no matter how many people say you don't, you, but, I certainly you, do. Well, I gather you, all these horrible things. Of, co- of course you do. And you wouldn't be human if you didn't. But also you've got to sort of balance. We spoke before, at the start, you know, about um, being accessible and dealing with stronger personalities or different personalities because we have to, because we're in this work arena. Um, but also... I've completely lost my train of thought. Listen, because it's the time of night, I'm telling you. No, it, um, right. we're just talking about the, the, the being self-aware and as you evolve and you grow older, it's it's a double-edged sword, basically. And it's the same as I I personally think as starting um, in the industry quite young. You know, people, uh, I think that is a double-edged sword because you your work is out there forever. Yeah. Um, you get it, you, you know, you, 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 you do things that you'd certainly wouldn't be doing now, but it worked at the time. Ah, that was it. That was it. I remember. So when you, you're dealing and having to juggle with people, personalities, but also as, as a, an actor coming on board to any project, even if it's something you've been doing for a few years, you still want to walk on with the energy and the enthusiasm that you did in those very early jobs yes. where everything was shiny, everything was new. What does that do? What does that person do? Well, I know what all those people do now, but I didn't then, but I still want to come on. You've still got to have the excitement. I, and also be grateful. And I don't want to sort of, you know, uh, talk about things uh, through rose-tinted glasses because we all have bad days but sometimes i don't want to bring that onto set no but i i spoke about this recently i can't remember who who it was with perhaps it wasn't an interview but it was about uh i can't remember what the question was but i just remember thinking it's about checking in with yourself i think they were asking about Mm. how you make decisions on stuff that you go on to and things like that and it was i was saying how important it how important it is and i um this is what I live by now, but it wasn't, I had to learn this. This wasn't part mm-hmm. of the, in the early stages of career, I'm like, you know, whatever I get type thing, you you, you kind of do. I was building a, a um, you know, I guess like building a career or whatever. But now I'm like, well, each time I check in and think, you know, I'd be so excited to do that. But is it different to what I've done before? Is it different enough? Like, yeah. Um, and I think in in those moments, I don't know where where we find the space to uh, space for that now. But just just having the awareness of, I'm grateful for where I am. But I I also what how am I trying to articulate this? Keeping that fire, basically. How do you keep the fire? If I choose a job that I'm half asked about, I'm not going to be that excited. So how do I give myself the best chance and be the best person around the, the uh, with the people around us? Because I heard Emily Blunt say something. I watched a, an interview. Um, it was like a, a clip that came up on social media. And she was like, um, they were like, how did you feel about not getting, because uh, you were offered Black Widow, but you couldn't do it. And I thought, oh. God's sake, like what I think did it like what a thing oh. to ask type thing. And you could tell she was clearly upset yeah. and she was like, Look, I definitely wanted to do it. My heart was with Black Widow. I was contracted. This is how it works. But I certainly didn't go on a set with a smacked art uh, face like a smacked art if that's what you're asking. And that is what I'm trying to articulate. Like you Well, you are well, you did articulate it very well. Okay. <laughs> 
and and, you, and, you, and and I think and I think you're dead right, and I think it's really important, as you said before, to check in with yourself and to have a word because it's very important just to just say yes, yes, I'll do that. Oh, yes, I'll do that. But I don't think it's going to make me very happy. But I'll still carry I know, on doing or, or it. Pe- or, you know, equally, people do it for the money if they're trying to buy a house or whatever. And I know, I know look, and I've, and of course, you know, sometimes I think we're in a very privileged position. Yes, to very. Do that, but, you know, and sometimes you can feel uh, when, when, when advising friends too, either, either I'm on the receiving end or I'm on the advice giving um, side. This is a conversation that comes up a lot with the type we're all mm. trying to buy houses and things like that. It's like, um, you know, do I need to do this, or am I just trying to skip the queue here because I could make. I could do that, like in a couple. It's not going to make a difference. Do you know what I mean? And it's but, just but having also, people put, that you can check in with. I think exactly. And putting finances aside for a minute, the, you, a script might just fall into the inbox, and it has no budget whatsoever. But it means it means so much to you that you have to do it. Earlier this week, um, it was a th- it's a theatre show. And I instantly just, there was, there's, I mean, look, there's nothing. And I, I instantly, I was like, I'm doing this. I don't want anyone yeah. to, yeah. don't want anyone to argue. <laughs> you know, I got in there on the WhatsApp because <laughs> I've got like, um, two agent, uh, uh, two agents who are kind of like, a, there's like a triangle, you know, it's not just like a back and forth between two people. So there's like three of us. And I was like, I'm getting in here first. I know because I'm probably not thinking the pay is, um, you know, blowing you away. But they would completely agree. They were much, They were like, no, we think it's great as well. So, that, and that's when you know you do. That's when you know you're invested. You know, absolutely, Amy. This has been wonderful. And if you've enjoyed it, and I really hope you have, I think we've got a lot more to talk about. So I think you should probably come on, and we should do this again. Oh my God! What am I that person that's carrying on? I've done it with. I've I've done it with a lot. I was of just going to say you're going to have to stop me catalog. waffling. Don't you worry. And I've waffled. Don't worry. You have not waffled at all. Everybody thinks that they have, and it hasn't. But it's very rare that we have these conversations where one person turns the spotlight onto the other and goes, "Tell me." <gasps> And then my job is... It's because I never do no, that. Exactly. No, I but, never but do nobody this. does when you think about it. Nobody does. But it's just my job to sort of gently guide. And that's exactly what we've been doing because it's part of the conversation. But what I would love to do next time is we do it in person. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And another episode is done. I really hope you enjoyed that. I loved spending time with Amy. She's such a laugh and quite remarkable. Um, I know that we've always got problems when we become parents, you know, with with regards to, to being an actor and childcare and things like that. But there's not a lot of other jobs where you can bring your baby to work and, and carry on with, with what you need to do and what, what you love to do. Um, so massive thank you to Amy and as you heard no doubt she will definitely be coming back on for another chat I don't think we uh, well we only scratched the surface didn't we as we always do here on the Two Shot Podcast Um, well I think that's probably it for this week don't you if you are at a loose end and you want to support British independent cinema get yourself to the pictures my recommendation this week is the debut feature from Charlotte Regan called Scrapper. Um, we all went to see it uh, last Saturday at the beautiful Duke of York Cinema uh, here in Brighton. 
Um, it's 84 minutes long and it's it's a cracker. Scrapper is an absolute cracker of a film. We really enjoyed it. So go and support British Independent Cinema. Scrapper is out now. We're not sponsored by Scrapper. It's just my recommendation. So until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care. I'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson. Recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers.